And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 284 of the Only Thor podcast, hosted by a true descendant of Odin. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And yes, welcome to the uh, two-week moving hiatus. Well, that's going to be coming next week. Uh, Probably going to be off for a week, maybe two. It'll depend on how quickly I can get the internet set up. Been kind of hoping I'd have some filler for you, so maybe I will. Maybe it's only going be a week hiatus yeah who knows um but we'll see it just is crazy busy close of the house is thursday so the day that this show airs uh, i will be signing the papers to become a homeowner for the first time uh, since uh since before some of you were born (laughs) yeah um yeah well 1992 anyway so anyway so that's uh, what's going on this week and of course things are absolutely insane But of course, I can't forget the show. I can't forget my loyal fans, those, you know, half dozen people who tune in every few weeks to <laughs> to, to listen to my show and then the binge listen and all of that fun stuff. And, you know, I really do appreciate y'all. And of course, I want to keep that going just for you. All right. So we do want to cover an issue of Thor Volume 2. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, and this week we are looking at the mighty Thor number... That is assuming, of course, that you want to use the new numbering and not the legacy numbering, which would have this be issue number 531. Cover art seems to be by Andy Kubert. I'm not sure who the inker is. R.I. seems to be the initials. So anyway, Andy Kubert did the cover, shows Thor, and he's standing, holding a dead or unconscious Hogan the Grim in his arms and looking up to the sky where there's angry lightning and we get a little bit of uh, kind of very Todd McFarlane-ish cape action going on here. It's actually quite a, a nice cover and very unlike the, the Claus Johnson sort of Eric Larson stuff that we've had over the last few uh, issues, actually a little bit more uh, realistic. The cover blurb says, Even a god can die. And we open up to the uh, splash page where we are right well in the story. And we get a um, full page spread here of Hell and Hella on her throne. And in the foreground, we have Hag. And uh, she's pointing a very bent finger at uh, the reader. We have a little caption here that says, Hell, the land of shades, an eternal resting place for those who die a dishonored death. And Hag is saying, Be thou aware, Hala, the soul of one thou hast long desired might soon be here. And Hala says, Clarify thy cackling, Vala. 
Of whom dost thou speak? Oh, so this is Vala and not Hag? All right, well, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the same person. Cast thine eyes upon the golden smoke of revelation, mistress. Tis Midgard, which will be of interest to thee. And we look all around Hela and we see, basically, it's the stereotype of a Christian hell uh, with all these souls burning in eternal torment. And you know, Hela is on a big throne made out of some sort of weird skeleton or just kind of bits of bone cobbled together. And they're looking into some sort of cosmic voyeuroscope type mist. And um, <clears throat> they're looking at the Warriors 3. And we see Fandral and Volstagg. And they are cradling the uh, prone form of Hogan. See, mistress, as guardians, those called the Warriors 3. It would seem one of them, Hogan, might soon breathe his last. Aye, a candidate for our realm, no doubt. Though he be not the Odin's son, still would I claim his soul. To Midgard! And she whirls around sort of a, not an Ajax white tornado, but she sort of disappears in a big swirl of green cape. And she's on Earth and um, appears where the Warriors 3 is and Thor is also standing there. We see uh, from behind. By the eternal feast of the Midnight Sun, look thee hence, Fandral. Strike Hela down now, ere the witch carries Hogan away. And know that should ye fail, Volstagg shall serve to back thee up. Nay, Volstagg, says Thor, tis not Fandral who will take up arms against the Queen of the Dead. It will be one far better suited to do so. So long as Hogan's heart beats, so long as he draws even the slightest of breaths, Thor, god of thunder, shall fight thee to the last, mistress of the darkness. And we get our... our splash page for the first time here and it is uh, Thor and he is get a full page of him threatening Hela with his hammer very Simonson-y sort of face on him and there, there's some other Simonson-y bits of bobs about there we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of course uh, Dan Jurgens, Gregory Wright uh, Rich and Wes Comicraft, Tom Brevoort and Bob Harris are the, uh, the, the crew uh, with Andy Kubert pencils and Scott Hanna ink. So it's interesting they kind of lumped everybody else above the art. Uh, so far, the art's pretty good, so maybe that is, um, maybe that's warranted. Uh, title of the story, Whence Comes Death. And we see that Hela is standing in the middle of this park, Central Park. They've kept it consistent to last issue as far as the, the layout of where they are. We've got that little bridge that we saw last time and the little bit of water that runs through it. We've got the hot dog cart. We've got, yeah. So, so they've done a good job of continuity here. Stand thee back, sign of Asgard. Already hath Hogan's heart beat its last. He belongs to Hela now. Ne'er. A warrior so proud must ne'er succumb to one so callow and low as the wrecking crew. The witch speaketh true, said Volstagg. I detect no sign of life within Hogan's breast. Thou art correct, voluminous one, says Thor. His heart hath ceased. In thy mortal guise art thou not skilled in the ways of medicine? Aye, says Thor. So must I put that knowledge to work now. So must I restore his life. And he's doing CPR on Hogan. And he says, By the bristling beard of Odin, even my best efforts avail me not. Thunderball has slain our comrade. And the Warriors Three are, of course, aghast at this. And Volstagg said, Then the saddest of days hath befallen us. 
"'Tis our own failings that have caused this,' says Fandral. "'Let all shame fall upon us for allowing mere mortals to do this. "'If I had but a defibrillator unit, a simple electrical device, "'I might be able to jolt his heart back to life.' "'And he suddenly gets an idea. <laughs> "'He's like, by the bristling beard of Odin, "'why did I not think of this before?' Mayhap the heavens themselves offer salvation, the heavens and the power of he who is lord of the storm. And we get a big storm starting to form over New York, including the uh, the Twin Towers, as we see. And uh, yeah, and I believe this issue came out in 2000. So it's a, yeah, this is, of course, uh, yeah, November of 2000. So this is well before 9-11. And Fandral says, art thou attempting what I think? Aye, Fandral. Though it is an effort rooted in desperation, and we have um, a lightning bolt slammed down with a skachik and striking Hogan square in the chest, and Thor is shouting, Let the heavens heed the summons of their master! Let the lightning strike as commands the god of thunder! And uh, nothing happens, and Hela says, A noble try, but a useless one. Again, by the command of Thor! Kachak says the lightning. Let the life of Hogan be restored, shouts Thor. And uh, he checks Hogan's chest and he says, Let's sing the voices of Asgard. Hogan lives. And Hela says, For now, though tis a life that hangs by the slimmest of threads. And uh, Fandral says, Is it true? Is Hogan's survival not yet guaranteed? And uh, Thor says, Nay. His injuries are grievous, requiring more immediate care. And at that point, a uh, ambulance arrives, and it, of course, is, uh, uh, what's her name? Jennifer, I think her name is. Oh, Christine, uh, who is uh, Demetrius' sister and Jake Olson's partner. And uh, she arrives in an uh, ambulance with another uh, paramedic who maybe is going to remain nameless, but some blonde dude with glasses. And uh, she comes out and she says, the guy who called a Central Park medical emergency didn't say a word about supertypes. Whoa, you're, you, you're... Thor, Christine, and my friend doth lay in desperate need of thy care. How did he know her name is Christine? Hmm, well now, maybe she'll think about that later. They say you guys are gods, and you need my help? I think I'm going to have a heart attack myself. And you see, uh, you know... Volstagg and Fandral and Thor and they're standing, you know, like towering over her in a way that really kind of wouldn't happen <laughs> in real life. Though they are much taller than she is. I guess just as guardians are just bigger and taller by, by, by nature. Art thou not an emergency medical technician? Yeah. Thou hast means to transport Hogan to a hospital? Yeah. Then thou must do so and on. But he's a god. I don't know how to treat a god. Once thou dost arrive, request Dr. Jane Foster as physician. She hath experience in matters such as this. And Thor carries Hogan over to the ambulance, and Christine is, is like, you're the boss. And they, uh, you know, the, the other two are staying behind, and um, Fandral says, What of us? Do we accompany Hogan or hunt down the wrecking crew and avenge his injuries? Tis simple, Fandral. As friends of Hogan, we are without option. We must accompany him to yon place of medical care. And Thor says, Thou speakest true, Volstagg. Ride with thy comrade to oversee his care, and leave the wrecking crew to me. And uh, they get into the ambulance, and they're driving off. 
And ah, see, here's here's where that payoff comes. And they, they go off. We see Fandral and Hogan in the back of the ambulance. And Christine is like, hey, I just realized Thal called me Christine. How did he know my name? And we shift scenes and we are in Svartalfheim, home of the Dark Elves and the hut of Jagerfelm, as seen last issue. And he's uh, in his little hovel, sort of little hut, and he's got the casket of ancient winters on the table in front of him. And he's sitting there talking to it. What treasures thou shalt deliver to me? For all his life, Yoth Jagerfelm been shunned. Cast aside as one so ugly that no woman would even glance my way. But now that I possess the casket of ancient winters, all that shall change. Its power is mine, the respect shall follow. Those who once ignored Jagerfell must now fear him. For thine is the power, and mine is the hand that shall wield it. And there's a whump uh, sound effect, and he's like, eh, who dares intrude? And it is an army. It is a whole bunch of dark elf soldiers from the looks of it. They're wearing blue armor, riding wolves. So obviously some sort of Svartalfheim military force, and they are crashing into his uh, little hut, and they're saying, uh, we dare misshapen one. And Yagerfelm is, Thou would seek to strip me of the cask. Never. I shall fight thee to the death. And he's fighting them. And uh, the soldier says, So be it. In truth, our master prefers it so. And the spears Jagerfelm right through the chest with a spear. And with an irk, pushes him back. Jagerfelm falls. And uh, the, the army is just kind of lingering there in the background. And he says, let, let the one ye serve reveal himself, that Jagerfell might, might die knowing his assassin. And there's all of a sudden a, a blast of some sort of fire magic, something big orange, yellow uh, power blast, and it, it uh, strikes down Jagerfell to the floor with a zam. And we hear a familiar voice, sad, pathetic wretch, thy reach hath far exceeded thy grasp. The cask of ancient winters and all the power it conveys, unknowingly augmented by Odin himself, belongs not with one so woeful as thee, but with me. And we get a full page of uh, reveal. Malekith, the dark elf, he who soon shall rule in all the nine worlds. So you can see the, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Malekith's been at, at the same gig for a while now, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, then it is Malekith, of course, looking very kind of Alan Davis-y in this, in this picture. But it uh, looks like uh, Yagerfilm is dead, and Malekith is back in possession of the cask of Ancient Winters. We then shift back to Earth, and we are at the hospital. We uh, see that there's, like, workmen here, and they're cleaning up the mess from when uh, the Absorbing Man burst in a couple of issues ago. And we also have the ambulance coming in here with uh, the Warriors 3. And uh, it looks like Hannah is talking to, uh, to, uh, to Jane Foster. Your husband will recover in time, Dr. Foster. I just know he will. I wish I could be so confident, Hannah. But the absorbing man inflicted massive head trauma on Keith. He may never come out of that coma. 
Ironic, isn't it? You've been working day and night to save the absorbing man's wife. What's her name? Titania, as far as the media is concerned. From her cancer, while your own husband is suffering. These aren't easy days for me, Hannah. And we see the Warriors 3 come in, and uh, they're pushing Hogan on a gurney. And he's, he's really tall, so he's kind of hanging off the edge of the gurney. And um, Fandral says, Prepare thy superior facilities, immortals. A patient doth arrive. And if thy dining halls are serving, point away for Volstagg. And uh, Christine is shouting, uh, Dr. Foster, I need you, stat. And she comes in and she says, uh, Volstagg, Fandral, what's happened here? And Christine's like, you know these guys? We've crossed paths before. Get them to cubicle four and prep a crash cart and a burn kit. And uh, she sees that, um, yeah, there's uh, like a big burn on Hogan's chest, obviously from being struck by lightning a couple of times. And um, uh, Volstagg is uh, explaining to, uh, to Jane, "'Twas the work of the wrecking crew, Jane Foster, that and the lightning which Thor did use to revive Hogan's heart." "'This is so unreal,' says Christine. We see Jane is reading the, um, uh, like an EKG or something, and he says, she says, "'I don't know what to make of these readouts. I've treated tough cases before, but if you ask me, Hogan might be better off in Asgard.'" And we shift scenes, and we are in Asgard, and in fact, in the sleep chamber of Odin. And we have Odin, he's uh, there sleeping, and sitting next to his bed is, of course, the Lady Sif, who is currently ruling Asgard in Odin's stead. Art thou comfortable in thy deep sleep, my lord? Tis my fervent hope thou art, for one of us should be. The mantle of leadership doth weigh heavily upon my shoulders, Lord Odin. Why didst thou curse me so? Girabur doth repeatedly warn me of an impending menace which threatens us all. But how can I defend the realm eternal that against that which I cannot identify? And a voice comes from uh, behind, and it says, uh, My lady Sif. And it, of course it is Balder. Bravest Balder, what troubles thee? Events upon Midgard require thine urgent attention. To the flame of truth, then, let its light pierce the barrier twixt our worlds. And they go into a giant a movie set sort of thing. And it's one of Odin's cosmic voyeuroscopes, obviously. And they're looking at what's going on in the uh, the flame and keeping track of what's going on with, um, with the Hogan. And uh, there's like a statue of Odin or some other warrior holding a sword up and he's uh, in front of these sort of weird lizard dog things. Uh, yeah, kind of weird looking, almost like uh, Gore the God Butcher's little lizard dog things. Anyway, so uh, they're they're looking into the fire and, and what's going on, and Jane Foster working on Hogan. And Balder says, Until Odin awakens from the Odin sleep, the flames serve thee, my queen. I fear it is Hogan, who was near vanquished by mortal enemies of Thor. I must needs see for myself... Heed the commands of Odin's chosen flame. Let the visage of Hogan the Grim come forth. And uh, they see what's going on, and she's like, Odd's blood, tis Jane Foster. Aye, milady. Even now she struggles to save Hogan from Hela's everlasting kiss. Bring me the keeper of elixirs, Balder. Bring me Nephothesk. 
at once, says Balder. And we shift back to Earth and a like a mansion sort of house uh, behind a gate and a long uh, driveway. And uh, we hear a voice saying, You've got to admit, fellas, this is the life. And, of course, it is the wrecker and his wrecking crew. And they're hanging out in some rich person's house. And uh, they're in the pool. And they're you know kind of lounging around in costume because that's what you do. And... Uh, uh, the wrecker is like floating around on a pool inflatable thing, and they there's like beer cans floating in the pool, <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, cannonball is, is like, uh, you got that right, wrecker. How about another cool one, toots? And this sort of uh, Asian-looking servant sort of person, I don't know who is uh, who it is, and she's like, yes, sir. And Thunderball's there, and he's like, Jeeves, where are those nachos? And the butler's like. Coming right up, Mr. Thunderbolt. I gotta tell you guys, this is the way man was meant to live. And we owe it all to Thunderball for whacking that Hogan fella. Right, Dozer? And is he bulldozer and he's uh, in the pool and he's he's drinking a uh, beer out of a straw while he's uh, half submerged and is going borble. So, the, yeah, so they're just kind of hanging around here in the pool. And we actually see a... Uh, a hand coming in and grabbing Jeeves aside, and he's got he's got a quizzical look on his face, uh, and uh, the hand looks very familiar. It looks like Thor's hand, actually. And Thunderball is saying, uh, "It was worth it to get our Asgardian power back. I'd almost forgotten how it felt, like I could take on an entire regiment single-handedly." And the same hand comes in and uh, steals the other servant, the Asian girl, again. Have a you know, cannonball or whatever his name is is saying, um, yeah, the man Thunderball, hurry up with them nachos, Jeeves. A bulldozer gets up out of the uh, the water and he's looking around. And he's like, hey, where'd the butler and maid sneak off to? Who cares? Says the wrecker. If they run off, we'll just go crash another mansion. And we hear a voice from behind. I say thee nay, villains. And of course, it's Thor. Thou didst dare harm a friend and fellow warrior of Thor, and for that thou shalt pay a price. And he bangs the hammer on the ground, and there's a big lightning bolt with a scratch, strikes Thunderball uh, right, right, in the, you know, right in the chest, kind of like what, what happened with Hogan earlier. And he says, Only the god of thunder and mighty Mjolnir can extract. And uh, Cannonball, or whatever his name is, the bulldozer, is in the pool, and he's like, Holy Joe, it's Thor, madder than I ever seen him before. And he does indeed look pretty mad. And um, Thor says, When last we met, the battle was waged on thy terms. But if thou wouldst challenge the gods, tis on the level of gods that war must be fought. Now let the furious winds of the frozen north serve the bidding of the master of storms and vanquish the Anon. And yeah, Thor does not look happy here. And the um, Thunderball or whatever is, is kind of doubling over in pain and and uh, the, the you know Cannonball or whatever is going up to him. It's like, Thunderball, you okay, bud? And he's like, barely. It's like being in a hurricane, Wrecker, says Bulldozer. What are we going to do? And the Wrecker says, we got Asgardian enchantment working for us again. I say we kick Bondi's butt. Thou darest raise mine ire even more, says Thor. And he's just blowing like hurricane force winds. And uh, and <laughs> Bulldozer's like, and Bulldozer's like, whoa, 
Even I can't make no headway against this wind. Thou hast witnessed not to speak of yet, says Thor, and he starts whooping his hammer around, and <laughs> Bulldozer's like, uh-oh, and Mjolnir smashes him in the face with a bram, sits him so hard in the face that it kind of crumbles up his helmet, which uh, is made of metal, so this is not any kind of light tap here. Uh, knocks him all the way back and looks like he might be out. And um, they, uh, he starts wailing on the, uh, the other guy, the guy in the red. And Thor says, Even with the Asgardian power thou didst siphon from us, thou art still no match for the Prince of Asgard. And he's, he's kind of beating him up pretty good. And the wrecker's like, Asgard, Schmazgard. Here's where your ego gets rammed down your throat, thunder chump. And he comes up behind Thor and it looks like he's getting ready to whack him with his wrecking bar. And we shift scenes. And we get a couple of panels here of uh, other locations. And we see the, the Warriors 3 and Jane Foster. And they're, they're asking, how fares our fellow warrior? Verily, his appearance is more dire than an hour ago. I can stabilize him at best, gentlemen. In truth, however, his care requires far more than I am capable of. And uh, we shift to a panel in Asgard where we have the uh, Nephilthesk, who's the, the, the elixir person. And Sif is there with Balder, and the old man is like, Hogan does require a potion concocted from this elixir, Majesty. Delay no longer, Nephethesk. I have it ready on the morrow. And we're back at the fight with Thor and the Wrecker. And the Wrecker looks like he's going to smash Thor's head in with his wrecking bar. But a hand catches it. Of course, it's Thor's hand. And he's like, Wrecker, Thor hath given battle over many times the span of a mortal's life. In the face of that... Thou art but a petty annoyance. And he grabs the wrecking bar away from him and he smashes him across the face. Uh, we see teeth flying out of his mouth and he, yeah, he's getting getting wasted here. Bend low thine head in shame, evil one. Thou hour of atonement is at hand. And we have the um, uh, the other guy, whatever his name is, Bum. How should I be expected to, to, to remember all this stuff? And he's like, Hey, you can't do that to my buddy. Does the son of Odin and prince of all Asgard thou dost aggress, craven one? Scour Midgard and Tyre, and still shalt thou be unable to find one fit to tell the god of thunder what he may not do. And he takes Mjolnir and smashes the Gambi guy right in the face. And um, it looks like uh, all four of the wrecking crew are laying on the ground and holding their heads. And yeah, they don't seem to be feeling very good. And uh, Thor says... Hear me, mortals, for the pain thou sufferest now shall pale beside that which I'll inflict upon thee should Hogan die. And uh, a voice comes from behind, and uh, it is Sif in a watery form. And she's like, Heed my words, Thunder God. And Thor turns around, and he's like, Zounds. Thy father's ring allows me to contact thee thus. Thou wouldst not do so unless it was of great import, Sif. I... For Nephethesk doth labor to prepare a cure for Hogan's injuries, that ye might administer it to Hogan upon completion. Then I bid thee make haste, says Thor, for I fear grim Hogan's life doth hang by the narrowest of threads. He uh, takes off, Thor leaves, and the, he just leaves the wrecking crew there in the pool area of this house, and having created a, a bit of um, property damage there, uh, I guess we're led to believe that they're not getting up anytime soon, but... 
Uh, this seems kind of dumb to me. And we shift back to the hospital where we have Jane and uh, the Warriors 3. And Jane is saying, uh, Gentlemen, I've done all I can. From now on, Hogan's fate is in the hands of others. And there's a ghostly image of Hela uh, kind of hovering above Hogan's bed with her arms outstretched. And we have, you asked for it, you begged for it, but until you demanded it, we didn't listen. Be here next issue for the return of Beta Ray Bill. And with that, we are done with Thor Volume 2, issue number 29. And, and uh, yeah, so we have a few things to say about the issue, but we're going to do so right after this commercial interruption. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission, to explore all of Star Trek. To seek out new guests and new opinions. To boldly go where many have gone before. Gimme That Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back, and of course, a few words about the issue. First of all, the uh, story actually goes somewhere, which is nice. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit of action here in the story, logical continuity from the last issue. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about the issue. Again, it's not as much of a fighty-fighty issue as last time, which is always good. I like stories that have a little bit of character development, even if it's just a little, like this one. I think the art is probably the best thing about the issue. One of the interesting things about this issue is that he seems to be, that the artist seems to be really um, emphasizing the difference in size between the Asgardians and the, the Earth people. Now, this is something that has been very inconsistent throughout the history of Thor. Sometimes, like here, it's very obvious and you have you know, full-grown adults having to look up to any Asgardian. And sometimes they're actually drawn as being exactly the same size as humans. And it's something that they've never really managed to get right, have they? But here they make a point of, of making a, a size disparity between the two and keeping it consistent throughout the issue, which is nice. I mean, you get the idea that, you know, having all three of the Warriors three crammed into the back of this uh, ambulance is really a tight fit especially with Volstagg being as big as he is. It's kind of a, kind of a wonder that they all fit at all. Um, artwork, I would say, by and large, is really good. I especially like the ink job, and it's not often that I, I sing out in praise of the inker. Um, we actually have this, this uh, artist, Andy Kubert. Um, he's kind of bringing a Simonsonian look to, to Thor in particular. Not that he's aping... Uh, Simonson, because he really isn't. He's he's kind of drawing in his own style here. So it does remind me a lot of artists such as Scott Collins. He has sort of a uh, an exaggeration to some of the figures, but it works in in, in ways like uh, he's talking about Eric Larson with his you know the Popeye forearms on Thor that doesn't work for me. Here here's a, an artist that you know can use the exaggeration and make it work for him. 
Um, I guess there's, you know, there, there are little nitpicks here and there about it, but by and large, uh, the the penciling and and I would say even especially the inking is really really good. Kubert and Hannah make a really really good team here. Some of the atmospheric uh, work, like the the, you know, the lightning clouds in New York, and you got uh, this kind of moody shadows and things going on, uh, is really really clever. Um, I do have a minor quibble regarding the story. And it's just kind of a thing I thought of while I was reading this. So, okay, so the whole idea of hell is you, you go there if you don't die in battle or you die in an unworthy way, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but Hogan fell in battle. So why would he be going to hell? Would he not be going to Valhalla? So this is just kind of a what looks to me to be a, a hole big enough to drive a truck through. Now, understood that Hela is going to try to claim the soul of just about anybody she can. But you would think that in, in a case like this, even if he's fighting against mortals, because after all, mortals are part of the nine worlds. If Thor were to perish fighting the giants, say, or fighting the dark elves, you know, he, he would go to Valhalla. So, you know, why are Earth people any less than, you know, after all, you know, the humans are part of the nine realms, just like everybody else. So it doesn't make sense that Hogan, even if he was, you know, fighting against Aunt May, <laughs> would necessarily want to, uh, you know, to be dragged off into hell, you know, where the unworthy dead live. So it just seems to me, you know, it's one of those things that it's a nitpick, and I think it's kind of a major nitpick in the story. Um, I don't really think that Hela is a realistic threat here. All right. So uh, with that, uh, I think I've said about all I need to say. Like I said, you know, there's a lot nice going on. I'd be interested to see if this, uh, this penciler sticks around for a while. Um, I get the idea that this is just kind of being left here. Um, and I don't know if the, uh, this story is going to continue next issue or not, because obviously they've left this big loose end here of the wrecking crew just kind of being strewn around this mansion somewhere. And so that's got to come back at some point. At any rate, we'll worry about that later. Now it's time for me to go back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and back to real life, which means getting ready for the inevitable move. Um, as I speak, the we close on the house on Thursday, which is the day that this airs. And then uh, for the next week following that is going to be preparation and moving. Uh, when I have internet in the new place, once I have the computer set up, once the electrical work in the new place has been done, then we will be back. I don't know whether it's going to be you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, month. Don't know. Uh, it'll depend on how quickly I can get all the work done that needs to be done. And uh, yeah, but I'll keep you posted through the Facebook group. And of course, if you want to join us in the Facebook group, just go to Radio Free Asgard there and you'll find us. And if you want to email the show, please feel free to do so. We don't get any email. Uh, you can uh, email us at RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. All right. So it's back over the Rainbow Bridge once again. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Bye for now. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, 
and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.